We are continuing in our series, Advent. Who's been enjoying Advent? Man, this has been one of my favorite series, honestly. We have been looking at an ancient um, Christian tradition that actually dates all the way back to the year 450. That's when Advent started, uh, 458, I believe. And Advent is the Latin word for arrival. Somebody say arrival. Arrival. And it's a time where we as the church are attempting to do two things. The first thing that we're attempting to do is we're, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of God's people as they are waiting for the coming of a Messiah. We're putting ourselves in the shoes of people pre-cross, pre-resurrection, where they are in a season of waiting. They are desperately waiting for this promised Messiah, waiting for the power of sin to be dealt with. They're waiting for this this Messiah that was promised by prophets hundreds and hundreds of years ago for a better future. They're, they're waiting for this person to show up on the scene. And um, we all know that waiting is pretty difficult. Is anybody really good at waiting? Nobody's hands should be up right now because we all stink at waiting. Waiting is really, put your hand down. <laughs> waiting is really difficult, right? It's really hard to wait well. I struggle with waiting. And waiting is difficult. And when we, the longer we wait, typically, the more we lose sight of what God is doing. We start to lose sight of God's will in our life. Doubt starts to creep in. We start to get caught up with like trivial things. They might not be, they might not be sin, they may be good things. But we get caught up in distractions nonetheless. And this is exactly where the children of Israel found themselves in, caught up in religion. They were not ready for Jesus when he showed up. And that's actually one of the main themes that we're looking at in Advent is this. During Advent, we remember that when Jesus first came into the world, some were ready, most were not. Some were ready for Jesus, but most were not ready. Most did not have the eyes to know, this is the Son of God in front of me. So Advent is a lot like Christmas in the fact that it's about baby Jesus coming, although I don't know if that's totally what Christmas is about anymore, but you catch my drift. But Advent is also, it's not just about the coming of Jesus as a baby, it's also about remembering that just like they were in waiting for the return of a Messiah, we are in waiting, right? We are in waiting right now for Jesus to return. Sure, we may be on the better side of history. We are on the side of history post-cross and post-resurrection. That's a better side of history. Amen. But we are still waiting, just like they were. And not only that, but Jesus prepares us for the waiting by giving us a glimpse into how he's going to return. He lets us know as he's ascending that he is going to return the same way that he came the first time. Not as a baby, but unexpectedly. He's going to come at a time that none of us expected. And so over the last two weeks, we've been focusing on what it means to be ready for that moment. And I just want to clarify, somebody asked me this last week, and I thought it was such a good question. They were like, are we just learning about waiting for the, for the second coming of Christ? Yes, we are. But we're also learning about waiting for Jesus to break into our lives today. He's breaking into our lives every single day. The Spirit of Jesus is all around us every single day. We just don't always see it. This is what we're also waiting for, being prepared to find Jesus every single day in our life. So over the last two weeks, we've been looking at what it means to wait well. We've looked at a guy named Simeon. You remember Simeon? 
And Simeon waited well. He waited well for two reasons. The first was that he was righteous and devout. That was like his part he had to play in being ready. He was living a righteous life, obeying God's word. But the second thing that he did to be ready was actually something that he didn't do, but it was something God did. God gave him the what? We talked about last week. The Holy Spirit. That's right. God put his Holy Spirit on Simeon. Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit, and that was God's part in making him ready. So we've talked over the last two weeks about how to be ready. How are we ready? Just like Simeon. We live righteous and devout lives for Christ, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. I promise you, you do those two things, you will be quite all right in this world, okay? But tonight, this leads us to our topic of what are we waiting for? Like, that's how we wait well, but why? Like, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish when we wait well? So we're going to look at this passage, Isaiah 53. Does anybody have their physical Bibles tonight? Let's go, let's go. This is a passage about Jesus. It's a prophetic picture of what Jesus is going to be like. And it's so interesting because the prophet Isaiah actually goes into a little bit of what he's going to look like physically. You ever thought about what Jesus looks like physically? Yeah, he's like got long, beautiful hair. He's got like some, I love those, those t-shirts where he's like holding the cross up and he's got massive biceps. That's the Jesus that we like. But this passage actually gives us into a different glimpse of Jesus. Look at this. It says this, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Interesting. He had no beauty that we should desire him. That's different than American Jesus, right? He had no form that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows acquainted with deep grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Amen. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one. Somebody say everyone. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's a heavy passage, right? We're going to dig into this tonight. It's going to be amazing. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is Finding Jesus. This is what I want to talk about tonight. Finding Jesus. But before we get into the message, let's pray real quick. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, thank you so much for your presence in this space. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Jesus, we recognize that you are here. You're present you're holding all things together currently, right now. Invisible, invisible. So God, open up our eyes because we want to see you. Jesus, we want to find you. We want to have hearts that are soft enough to see you in, in places and spaces that nobody else is finding you in. So Holy Spirit, open up our eyes tonight. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, 
Outside of marrying my wife, Haley, becoming a father has been one of the greatest gifts I've ever experienced. I love being a father. Um, becoming a dad is strange because uh, it's one of the scariest things I've ever done, uh, but it's also the most fulfilling thing I've ever gotten to do. Now, are there any dudes in the house who are excited to be a dad one day? Any dudes? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So I want to let you know about a few things that uh, you should be excited about as a dad. Now, I've got a daughter. Her name is Marlo. She's three now. Um, and some things that I've loved to get to do with her is when she was one, she was about 11 months old, she started walking for the first time ever. So you know your boy got her on the skateboard as quick as possible. So I, she's been on the board for two years now already, y'all, because you, you know skateboarding is in the Olympics now. So I'm trying to do, indoctrinate her to be a prodigy. So got her on the skateboard early because I'm a dad. I can do that now. Something I've loved to do is, uh, as Marlo has gotten a little bit older, she's a little tougher. And so one of my favorite things that I, that I used to do with her when she was a little smaller was in, in our bedroom, I would just throw her really high, and she would like kaboosh on our bed, and it freaked Haley out. She hated when I did this, and it probably scared Marlo a little bit too, but you know, it's good for them, right? Keeps them tough. Um, and now Marlo is three, and she... She thinks that she's five years old. Um, she talks very well. The other night, she said something she's never said to me before. She looks over to me. We're on the couch. And she says, Daddy, can we get married? <laughs> and it just melted my heart. It didn't, Haley was very jealous, not happy about that. But it melted my heart. But the best thing about being a dad, by far, is being able to watch Bluey with no judgment. Who knows what Bluey is? <laughs> if you don't know, this is what, I think I got a picture. This is what Bluey is. Um, Bluey is an Australian children's TV show. It, no, it is for adults as well. And just wait, let me present my argument. It's an Australian show for kids about a, a family of Australian shepherds, uh, or I guess blue healers and red healers. And um, it's the best thing ever. It is by far the best kids show ever created. I'm so thankful Marlo is out of the Cocomelon phase. And, and we are in the Bluey phase. And I love it. Now, this show, shh, hang in with me, hang with me. This show follows this family. Um, we've got the siblings, Bluey and Bingo, and their parents, Mom and Dad. And... The show is amazing because it's all about their normal life. It is about average, everyday, normal family stuff. It's the most relatable show I've ever seen, but what I love about it is there's just so much imagination in it. And somehow the creators in every single episode find a way to get you to tears. Every single episode. It is unbelievable. So I wanted to tell you about this one episode. In this one episode, it's called Born Yesterday. Uh, if you know it, don't say anything, all right? We find mom, she is in the living room, and she's doing yoga, all right? So there's a, a yoga instructor on the TV, and Bluey and Bingo, they walk into the room, and they look like they're on an expedition. They've got, like, safari hats on and cameras around their uh, chest, and they're taking photos of plants and stuff in the room, and Bluey starts to take photos of mom's bottom, so she's like in a yoga pose and Bluey is taking photos of her butt. And 
and the mom, and the mom looks at Bluey and, and basically like says, don't take photos of people's bottoms. That's not nice. And Bluey responds with the, ki- the question that every kid asks, which is, why? Yes. And Bluey's mom responds with, just trust me, I've been on this planet longer than you. Now, at this point, dad enters the room, and the first thing Bluey says to dad is, bend over. <laughs> and so her, Bluey's dad responds, Bluey's dad responds by saying, nope, I wasn't born yesterday. He says, nope, I wasn't born yesterday. And the girls are all confused. They're like, born yesterday? What does that mean? They've never heard this phrase before. And the dad explains that born yesterday means that I've been on this planet long enough to know that showing my behind to you, Bluey, is a bad idea. So then this phrase, born yesterday, ends up being the the name of the episode, and it ends up being the idea for a new game that they're playing with their dad, where their dad pretends like he was born yesterday. And so today is his second day ever on planet Earth. And his daughters, Bluey and Bingo, are now uh, his guides to this amazing new adventure of Earth. It's really cute. So they're taking him through life. It's his second day on planet Earth, and he's looking at things that are completely average and ordinary, but he's like, oh my gosh, what is this? And they're like, that's a kitchen bar stool. And he sees a strawberry on the counter, and he's like, what is this? And he's just seeing everything with fresh eyes, with a fresh perspective. He's carefully observing things that we don't carefully observe because he's seeing them for the first time ever. It's his second day on Earth. To him, everything is exciting. Food is exciting. The grass under his feet is exciting. Walking down the street is exciting. Everything is good fun, right? It's all good fun. And this episode, um, at the end, they come back to their house, and he sees a leaf on the ground. And I tried to do this part of the episode justice by, like, explaining it to us in words, but I just couldn't do it. So are you guys cool with watching a little bluey tonight? Okay. So... They return to their house. It's the end of the day. They've been playing Born Yesterday all day long. And just get ready, because this makes me tear up every time. But check this out. Wow. Name? Oh, that's cool. Wait, Bingo. It just makes trouble when we tell him what things are called. Why don't we let him enjoy just looking at things today? Yeah, we can teach him names later. Name? It doesn't matter. Just look. Alive. Hello, Stool. <laughs> it's okay, Dad. You can stop playing Born yesterday. Oh, you sure? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, real fun. Thanks. No worries. I enjoyed it. I feel like a new dog. Bingo, can you help me unpack the dishwasher? Sure. Oh, good on you, kids. Uh, kids? Yeah? Has your dad stopped playing Born Yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Oh, I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. This episode of Bluey, I think, is actually a posture 
that we are trying to foster during Advent. I think that this is actually a posture that not just we're, we're fostering during Advent, but it's something that we're invited to live in every single day as Christians. We see Bluey's dad walking through life with a different pace, with a different perspective on everything in the world, and with fresh eyes to allow him to see things as reasons for worship. He is seeing things not as they are, but for what they truly are. I want to say that one more time. He is seeing things not as they are, but for what things truly are. And it reminds me of this passage in Romans chapter 1 where Paul says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Some of you are like, how does that bluey episode (laughs) remind you of that verse? Let's continue though. Verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made so they are without excuse. Paul here is telling us a really powerful truth, and that's that God is actually not hard to find. God is not hard to find. And Paul says that when we don't see God all around us, when we don't see God all in front of us in creation and in people, he lets us know that it's not God's fault. It's not like God is hiding from us. He lets us know that when we don't see God all around us, that is our fault because what we've done is we have done something. We have suppressed the truth. Somebody say suppress the truth. So what's powerful about this Bluey episode to me is um, there's a positive message that we're going to close with tonight. And that's the fact that we as believers, we are invited to live our life with a sense of wonder. That's what I want to close with. But there's actually a negative thing that we need to address that is also brought up from this Bluey episode. And it's the fact that we as people, most of the time, are walking through life without a sense of wonder. We're walking through life, and we see things as they are, but not for what they truly are. We see things as they are, but not for what they truly are. And Bluey's dad, when he says at the end of the episode, I love this, he says, I don't know if I want to stop playing Born Yesterday because I feel like a new dog. Well, nothing changed on the outside for for him, but something changed on the inside. And what happened was his heart was Softened, And that's what I want to talk about tonight. There's something that scripture warns us against constantly, and it's us receiving, over time, hardness of heart. Scripture talks about this, a heart that over time becomes calloused. Now, when there's an area of our skin that is rubbed up against constantly, there's friction that takes place. There's like scrapes and cuts, and there's things touching that part of our skin over and over and over again, our body has um, a coping mechanism where it builds a callus, where layers of skin start to build up over time in that one specific area. And it's good because what that does is it protects you from being hurt again, but it also does something that's really powerful. It keeps you from feeling in that area. Now, that's really good when you're learning how to play guitar Because how many of you know when you first start learning how to play guitar, your fingers hurt like crazy? Those strings hurt. So calluses are good for the fingers, 
but they're not good for our heart. And over time, when we begin to go, when we continue to go through life and, and we're rubbed by things and, and hurt by things, our heart over time is susceptible to being calloused. We are all susceptible to a calloused heart. Every single one of us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We all struggle with this, students. Every single one of us. A heart that is built up over time by the reoccurring disappointments of life. By the cutting and the scraping of relationships in our life. We, we get calloused because of the disappointments that we see in the people that we love, the people we look up to. We get calloused over time because of the disappointments that we have towards God. And when we don't learn how to bring these things that we face in our life, these real things, to God, over time, what happens is we start to receive calluses on our heart. And it, and it happens unnoticed. It's the same way that a callus on your finger happens, not overnight. I wish it did. When you're learning guitar, it would be amazing if the next morning, after your first practice session, you had some thick calluses there, but it doesn't happen that way. It takes time, so much to the point that you don't even notice when the pain goes away. It's the same with your heart. Many of us are here tonight, our hearts are calloused, and we have no idea. Because what's happened is it's been layer upon layer upon layer, and it's been a slow build for years. We're all susceptible to a calloused heart. Now, why is this a bad thing? Like, what's, what's negative about having a heart that is tough? Well, biblically speaking, there's a lot of reasons. I can't go into all of them tonight, but there's a lot of reasons why having a calloused heart is dangerous for us. But the one I want to focus on tonight that has to do with the Advent story is that a heart that is hard is a blind heart. If you're taking notes, write this down. A heart that is hard is a blind heart. A heart that is hard sees things as they are, but it does not see things for what they truly are. I want to say that again. A heart that is hard is a heart that sees things as they are, but not for what they truly are. Now, let me go into a couple examples of this. There's some practical examples of this, and then there's some biblical examples of this. I want, I'll give you the practical ones first. This is a hard heart. A hard heart says this. Um, you know, I just go through a normal, boring day. Have, has anybody ever had a normal, boring day before? A hard heart goes through a normal, boring day and didn't find a single moment to worship. Like a single thing outside of you that caused you to be like, wow, God. A hard heart is a heart that sees somebody working at Target or somebody serving you food at Empire Pizza and all you see is somebody to serve you and not a person who also has needs and desires and dreams and struggles. A heart that is hard is a heart that sees people as objects to be consumed. A heart that is hard sees um, early stages of pregnancy as just a clump of cells. A heart that is hard sees this, what we're doing right now, as just another Wednesday. It's just another Wednesday. That is a hard heart. The dangerous trap about having a hard heart is this. It doesn't result in being totally blind. It results in partial blindness. It's not being totally blind. It's partial blindness. We go through life seeing everything around us, 
But what we're blind to is the deeper realities that are in place, the deeper things that are taking place right in front of our eyes. We do exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter 118, where he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, what do they do? Can you guys see the screen? What do they do? Suppress the truth. This is what happens when we have a hard heart. It's not that we don't see the truth. It's that we have gotten too used to it. We've suppressed it. And this is totally off topic for my notes, but I know we got a lot of people who go to Christian schools, right? And I feel like the Holy Spirit was showing me this during worship. There's some of us in this room, like we are around the Bible constantly. And some of you guys even hear me on Wednesdays and you think to yourself, I've heard this before. Can I tell you that is a sign of a calloused heart? A heart that says, I've already heard that before. Because God's word is God's voice. And so we need to guard our heart and not let those thoughts harden our heart because you know, it doesn't matter how much you've been around God's word, right? God's word always has something new for us, amen? That one's a free one for you guys. So what I wanna show us is there's this partial blindness that takes place where we see things as they are, but we don't see, we are totally blind to the deeper realities in place. So let's go back to some of our examples we used. Sure, the reality might be that it's just another normal day, but there's a deeper reality in place. The deeper reality is that today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The deeper reality is that every single morning, you have new mercies available for you. The, the reality is that, yes, early, early on in pregnancy, it may look like it's just a clump of cells, but what's the deeper reality? The deeper reality is God is at work knitting together a person. The reality is that this may be your 100th student's service in a row. It might be another night for you. But what if it's not just another normal night? Like, what if you came into service every Wednesday and your heart was so full of expectation, you were like, I'm coming to meet with the living God, with God's family, and God can do anything. This is what a soft heart looks like. But so often, this is not how we're, we're walking through life. We are walking through life with partial blindness. We see everything in front of us, but we do not see the deeper realities in play. And this is what Jesus talks about and scripture talks about when people had eyes but could not see and ears but could not hear. Jeremiah 5.21 says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see and who have ears but do not hear. Jesus talks about that. And then there's another uh, passage where we see people who see Jesus right in front of them and they reject him because they are familiar with him. They've rubbed up shoulders with him a lot. Look at this, Matthew 13, 53. It says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming into his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is, he not, is not his mother called Mary and not his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And are not all of his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. 
But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and his own household. And he did not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief, because of their hardness of heart, their calloused hearts. What we need to recognize is they saw Jesus, but they saw Jesus, son of Joseph. They did not see Jesus, son of God, the deeper reality that was in place. They were not totally blind, but they were what? Partially blind. And I'm going through all of this trouble to talk about calloused hearts because this is really what the whole story of Advent and Christmas is about. Jesus tends to introduce himself and, and burst into our lives in ways and in places and in spaces that we do not expect him to do. That is how he purposefully likes to show up in our life. And this is very hard for people to find when we have ourselves a calloused heart. Look at this. Isaiah 53 lets us in on this reality. Who has believed what he has heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up like, uh, before a, young, like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty. Jesus was not a beautiful, blonde, white guy with muscles. Jesus was absolutely average looking. David Guzik says this. I love this. This shows that men value, physical or men value physical beauty and charisma far more than God does. And when we don't see it, we can reject the ones God accepts. Alan Redpath says this. I love this. This means that when we try to attract people to Jesus through form or comeliness or beauty, we are using methods that run counter to the nature of Jesus. This scripture lets us in on a very interesting fact that Jesus was not interesting looking. He was not beautiful in outward appearance. Nothing about his outward form screamed son of God. So outwardly, people saw Jesus as just a normal guy, just another person, and they missed the deeper realities in place. They were partially blind because of their calloused hearts to what was taking place. And this is just like how we find ourselves. We need to recognize this. Jesus is the deeper truth hidden in plain sight. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the deeper truth hidden in plain sight. He is everywhere. He's all around us. His spirit is so in front of us. When we get to heaven, we're gonna be blown away at how much we missed it. Look at this, Colossians 1.5, one of my favorite scriptures about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things. Somebody say all things. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. But a calloused heart does not see Jesus in all things. A calloused heart is blind to Jesus, hidden in plain sight all in front of us. A hard heart sees, in the Christmas story, just another baby boy, just another baby in a manger, not the Son of God. God made flesh. And when we can't see Jesus hidden in plain sight in front of us, what we end up doing is Another thing Paul warns us against, we trade heavenly things for earthly realities. Romans 1.22, look at this. Y'all still hanging in with me? Yeah. You guys are kind of quiet tonight, just making sure. 
Romans 1.22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory, or another way we could see that is they exchanged worship to the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So this is what happens when we have a calloused heart. Instead of seeing uh, Jesus as the deeper reality behind everything in creation, we trade Jesus, who is the end goal, for the thing that we see. So we see things like in nature, we see that and we think that is what we're worshiping and that's actually supposed to lead us to worshiping Christ. We see the relationships that God has given us and those things should be a thing that points us to our need for a relationship with Christ, but we allow our relationships, we trade those. We allow that to be the thing that meets our needs and this is what we fight against during Advent. We fight against this false worship. The goal of Advent is not just about waiting. It's not waiting for waiting's sake. The goal of Advent is to find Jesus. It's to be prepared to have eyes to see Jesus hidden in plain sight all around us. And here's the good news, New Song students. The good news is that if you've already made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you actually don't have a stony heart anymore. In Ezekiel, we're given a glimpse into what takes place in the moment of salvation. It's prophetic, and look at this. It's amazing. This is God talking. He says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So the good news is if you're here tonight and you have already made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you actually don't have a stony heart anymore. You have been given a soft heart. You have been given a heart of flesh. Our job as Christians is to stay soft. It's to live a life where we are cultivating a heart that remains soft. How do we do that? Well, we've already talked about it the, the last two weeks. We remain soft by living according to God's word and being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I want to talk about is not how we are receiving soft hearts, because you guys already know how to receive a soft heart. I want to talk about what happens when we have a soft heart. What is available to us when we are walking with a soft heart? I want to close with two points before we head into small groups. If you're taking notes, write this down. When my heart is softened, number one, wonder is restored. When my heart is softened, wonder is restored. What is wonder? Wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or, what was that last word? Inexplicable. I love that. When wonder is restored, what's actually being restored is our worship. Our worship is being restored. We all worship. We just tend to worship the thing instead of Jesus hidden behind the thing. And when we have a soft heart, worship is restored. Instead of worshiping earthly things like money and clothing and people and ideas and art and music, we see Jesus deeper in those things. And I'm not, those, all those things I just listed, they are all good things. But when our heart is calloused, all we see is the thing and we miss Jesus hidden in the deeper reality. When we're walking through life with a sense of wonder, what happens is we are, we're able to see Jesus in and through everything around us.
Um, this has been happening in me. Now, obviously, the Lord gave me a soft heart when I gave my life to him 10 years ago. But the Lord has been doing like some deep heart work in me this year. He's been softening some hard parts of my heart. If I could just be completely honest with you tonight. He's been softening some deep parts of my heart that I didn't even know were hard. And it's resulted in a lot more worship in my life. I find myself seeing normal things that a lot of people I'm sure are just not caring about. And I see it and it just causes me to burst out in worship. Now, I want to preface with this. Just because you cry doesn't mean you have a soft heart, okay? And just because you don't cry doesn't mean you have a hard heart, okay? But crying is a form of having a soft heart. It can be an expression of that. And I'm going to be completely real with you. I am not a crier. I, I don't cry very often, but this year I have found myself quite often being moved to tears. Multiple times this year, I don't know if it's just this year or if I'm just waking up to it, but we've been having some pretty beautiful sunsets recently. And I've been looking at sunsets recently and just been, instead of seeing something that I, I used to just pass by all the time, I'm seeing this and I am being drawn to God's beauty. I'm seeing this and I'm like, man, I want to worship right now. I see this beautiful painting that God is putting in the sky and I'm reminded of the vastness of God. I'm thinking about that song we just sang, Come and Behold Him. These things are starting to draw me to worship again. The other day I was working at a coffee shop with Haley and she's sitting right across from me. This was like two months ago. And I'm just watching a live stream of this other church. They're doing water baptisms. And I kid you not, I am holding back weeping in this coffee shop. Like, you know that feeling when there's just like ball right here? I am holding it back so hard. Like, and it's just normal baptisms. But I am seeing Jesus in this baptism. And, and he, we get in the car and I like try to explain to Haley what was happening in that coffee shop. And I start crying, like telling her what I saw. And this is what wonder looks like, New Song students. It's when we are able to be soft enough to see things that the world says, that's just a sunset. It's just water baptism. And we see the deeper reality there. Do you follow me? This is what Christmas is about. This is, I want to read one scripture to you because I'm running out of time. But Matthew 2, we see the wise men coming to worship baby Jesus. Look at this. After listening to the king, you, I want to invite the band to come up. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they were on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they'd offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, let's picture this for a second. At this point in the story, Jesus is not a baby. He is a toddler. He's two years old. Think about how silly this looks. You have three wise men that have traveled weeks, and they have taken their life savings, a massive gift to give to Jesus, they are on their knees bowing down to a toddler. Think about how silly and foolish this looks on the outside. Are you seeing this? 
But what they have is soft hearts to see the deeper reality. See, what everybody else is seeing, just a toddler, when they're seeing just baby Jesus, they see this is the Messiah. This is God in flesh. People are seeing the, the wise men worshiping, and they're thinking, why are you worshiping? It's, it's just a baby. Jesus, at this point, has literally nothing to offer them except probably a temper tantrum. <laughs> but you know what? They were able to find Jesus. They were able to see the deeper message. And you know what it led them to do? It led them to be on their face and worship. And this is what happens when we cultivate a soft heart, New Song students, you will find yourself constantly finding reasons and ways and places of worship. You'll be in the car and the presence of God will just flood your car because you think about how good God is in your life. You'll see a cross, a symbol you've seen your entire life. And when your heart, when your heart is soft, you'll think about what actually happened on the cross and not just the picture of the cross. And you will find the deeper reality in it. Students, we need to be cultivating hearts that are soft. And so I wanna, I wanna ask you tonight, and I want you to be really honest and vulnerable with yourself. What is the state of your heart? Are you leaning more towards hard, skeptical? Ah, it's just another song. It's just another worship song. Why are these people raising their hands? It's just, I've heard John three sixteen a million times. Is that the state of your heart right now? Or are you constantly finding reasons to worship and bless God's name. Worship is restored. Wonder is restored when we cultivate a soft heart. The last thing is this, and I'm gonna close with this. When we cultivate a soft heart, sacrificial obedience is our joy. See, when you have a hard heart, you might obey the Lord, but it's not out of joy. You're obeying out of obligation because you have to, because that's just what Christians do. But when your heart is soft, it is out of joy. I don't have time to read the scriptures, but we see this in, in Mary's heart. Mary had a soft heart. You know, she was asked to do an extremely hard thing. She's probably 14 years old. She accepting this call to be the mother of Jesus. She is accepting rejection. She's accepting being seen differently by everybody for probably the rest of her life, being treated differently. But she says, let it be unto me according to your word. Whatever you want, Jesus, I will do it with joy. This is the heart that we see in our Savior. Look at this. I want to close with this scripture, Hebrews 12, 2. This is beautiful. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin with that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, look at this, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus did not have to go to the cross. Jesus chose to go to the cross and it was his joy. He suffered, it was terrible, but it was his joy to go to the cross for us despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When we cultivate a life of worship, sacrificial obedience is our joy. We are expectant and looking for reasons to suffer with Christ. 
And so I want us to just pause for a minute and, and really take inventory of our hearts and say, man, if I would be honest with myself, I'm not asking myself, when was the last time I cried? I'm asking myself, what are the thoughts of my heart like? Are they hard? Do I find Jesus in my life or have I not seen Jesus in a really long time? And we're gonna ask that the Lord would do just a supernatural work of softening our hearts so we can find Jesus this Christmas season. Students, do you wanna see Jesus in your life? I know I do. And so we need to cultivate these kinds of hearts. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.